This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. midweek episode of Total Saints Podcast. Well, you didn't really expect us to wait another seven days before reflecting on Monday night's brilliant win, did you? Hopefully we'll have beaten the reigning champions with the penultimate words I used on episode 143. And here we are, job done. Steve Glenn and Dan are with me, and we'll get straight into talking about Danny Ings, Ralph Hasenhutl, Academy graduates and more in just a moment. Before we do, a shout out to our newest TSP patron via patreon.com slash Podcast, Red Panda from North Carolina, USA, who's kindly signed up to support the pod over the last 24 hours. A great comment from him in the email he sent TSP as well, stating, quote, I had promised myself that if Glenn's prediction came true, Glenn, of course, predicting Saints to beat Liverpool 1-0 on our last podcast, then I would sign up to Patreon immediately. He then adds, hopefully he realises now how important the predictions are to the future of podcast. Smiley emoji. Suffice to say, I think, Glenn, you've been wallowing in the success of another perfect prediction for most of the day, haven't you? I wasn't going to mention it. I'm, you know, now you've mentioned it, I'll, I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, yeah, it was quite funny, really, wasn't it? It was, um, it was. Flying in the face of, uh, what was Dan's opening line? Liverpool will definitely score. Well, no, no, Dan, Dan <laughs> went with, uh, he played it safe, didn't he? And he went for Liverpool to win 4-1 because he didn't want to get carried away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Fraser yeah, Porter to make a few worldies. <laughs> I, I feel a bit like a stopped clock that's right twice a day. I know, well, plenty um, of people have picked up on it, so well done, Glenn. And uh, yeah, yes. Red Panda, um, we really appreciate your support in becoming a, a patron of Total Saints podcast, so thank you. Okay, let's get going on this midweek special, underpinned by our global patrons. This is TSP143B. The B stands for bonus. <laughs>
This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Dillacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Yes, Monday night saw Saints gain a hard-fought 1-0 win over Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool side thanks to a thoroughly committed team performance. It was a result that saw Ralph Hasenhutl drop to his knees at the final whistle with tears flowing, in a good way thankfully, as Saints moved up to 6th in the Premier League, now having achieved 29 points from 17 matches. Steve, we'll come on to talk specifically about Hasenhutl and his post-game emotions in a little while, but as an overall 90 minutes, Steve, a fantastic effort by everyone in our beloved red and white. Yeah, and I, I, I think, to be honest, I don't think many of us would have seen that sort of energetic performance coming, really, um, especially once you saw the line-up. And obviously we knew McCarthy was going to be out, but um, Romeo also being missing was um, was a bit of a sort of late surprise thrown thrown on everybody. Um, and I think once you see that line-up, and I mean, we know that Liverpool have had injury problems, mainly because Jurgen Klopp doesn't um, stop bloody whinging about it. But... Um, when we've got injury problems of, of our own right down the spine of the team, yeah. um, then you're kind of fear, fearing the worst a little bit. But um, no, I mean, that, I mean, the first half set everything up um, in terms of the energy, getting ourselves into into a position where we could where we could then basically drop off another 15, 20 yards and say to Liverpool, OK, guys, what have you got? What have you got for us? Mm. And as it turned out, the answer was not a great deal to be honest they were i mean yeah they were they were dominant in terms of territory but forster's not had a proper save to make the one shot on target was a daisy cutter yeah um and it was very it was very similar to that man city game back in the summer where they kept just trying the same thing over and over again and mm. and we were just our, our defense was just um standing there thinking okay well we'll just repeal it in the same um, same way as we have have done for the rest of the game, and it was it was bizarre. I mean, I think the I think the thing that kind of struck me most was just the confusion that Liverpool seemed to have got themselves into, whereby you're over the three minutes added time, yeah, and you've got another corner, and they they play it short, yeah, and it's like, well, the referee's not going to blow not going to blow for full time when the ball's in the air in the penalty area, but if you pass it backwards out to the middle of the pitch, that's a neutral area. The rest mm. of the blow for full time then. And that's exactly what he did. I think he was almost obliged to play a, a little bit extra. He just thought, if you're going to do that, do you know what? I'm going to blow up now to, to teach yeah. you a lesson. It, but, was, uh, it was it was bizarre, that. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I think the the system that we that we had was spot on. Obviously, we worked really well on that free kick early early doors. I, th- I, I imagine we were we were probably quite surprised that, that we got a free kick in that sort of position in order to try it so early. Yeah. Um, but catching them cold like that was perfect, and obviously you'd have seen on the um, on Sky's sort of coverage afterwards, where Carragher uh, pointed out the the clever play by Armstrong to basically sh- shove Henderson backwards, which meant that everybody was onside. Mm. Um, it's just those little details which kind of show what a well-coached team we are. Yeah, I'll come on to that in a minute, so don't ruin it too much, Steve. But yeah, you're spot on. And uh, Glenn, as Steve mentioned now, I mean, even more impressive when you think Saints were without a number of squad members for the matches. We know Alex McCarthy, Yannick Vestergaard, Mohamed Salasu, Oru Romeo, Nathan Redmond, Shea Adams, etc., etc. Yeah, the starting eleven to me, yeah, Romeo was a, a big miss, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw when I saw the starting eleven, um, Che Adams, I wasn't surprised that he he was either rested or he uh, if he genuinely is concussed, I don't know, but uh, I wasn't surprised he wasn't there either. But 
I didn't think our starting eleven looked too bad, but the, the bench, I mean, my word. I mean, I think Shane Long was only on there because it's it's illegal to have that many kids in one place. <laughs> it, it, you know, you had to have a registered childminder. It was just, it was just, it was just mad. The uh, the average age of the bench must have been about fourteen. Well, you, Shane you Long say that, it. Glenn. I've done my stats as I always do. The average age oh, of the bench then. was twenty one years and seven months, and that includes Shane Long. So if I read you the uh, d- uh, the ages here, old. well, I suppose Harry, Harry Lewis must be. Yeah, that Harry time. Lewis is twenty three, but yeah, it's thirty three, twenty three, twenty one, twenty one, twenty one, twenty, 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 seventeen. Yeah, well, there you go. You absolute bore doing all that. This is what but, I spend uh, my life doing. <laughs> so, you know, you thought, OK, if, the, if this is tight and we have to bring on subs to change the game, then, you know, we're going to be in a spot of bother here. But I, I have to say the, the substitutions that Ralph made when he made them, I know the Gineppo one was forced, but all three subs that he brought on, they all had a really positive effect on the game. Uh, I mean, I, could, I couldn't believe it when I saw Jan Valery warming up. I thought, oh, my word, what's going on here? But, you know, <laughs> he, he, scored. He, he, he did, and he, he made a huge difference. He, you know, he, we didn't see much of Robertson after that. Mm. Mane was still a problem, of course, but it was, it was the right thing to try and shore up that side. Mm. And, um, you know, Ralph's taking a bit of criticism. Didn't take criticism for much, but, you know, occasionally his substitutions, a lot of people have thought they were too late or, you know, not really what was required. But he was, he was absolutely spot on yesterday um, and and we did superbly and go back to Romeo's absence I thought Diallo was just fantastic mm. right from the start of the game he won the well he won the ball off Thiago and then Thiago went and fouled Armstrong which gave us the free kick and I think that that set the tone Diallo was just excellent throughout Out-jumping, he had a yeah. He seemed to have a little 10-minute breather at the end of the first half where he kind of, you didn't see him much, but he came out again in the second half and he was, you know, breaking forward, winning tackles, winning free kicks. Excellent. Really, really promising player we've got there. Indeed. Um, Dan, I wouldn't say our group chat was overly confident when the team news came out. As Glenn mentioned, not necessarily because of the start in 11, but probably because of the lack of experience and or game changes on the bench. I've obviously mentioned that the average age of the bench was uh, 21 years and seven months there. Alongside that, if we count Jack Stevens and Leachy always used to say we couldn't, but I'm going to Jack Stevens. He's one of our own. Uh, there were yeah, 11. <laughs> there were 11 academy graduates in the matchday squad of 20 as well. That makes the win even more satisfying than you think from a, a Saints point of view. Almost epitomising the Southampton way that we've heard about taking on the bigger boys with a, a young and enthusiastic side and beating them. Absolutely, and you know I count 12 because Alex Oxlade Chamberlain was lining up for Liverpool. I don't think by design, perhaps the plan wasn't to have eight kind of academy graduates on the bench um, but that's what they ended up with and as Glenn said that the, the players that came on did they did fantastic uh, Nathan Teller nearly scored obviously Jan Valerie almost scored as well it's just refreshing to see I know the the new Burnley owner made some interesting comments in an interview with the Daily Mail or the mm-hmm. Mail on Sunday I should say where he said that Southampton obviously have a, a famous academy and they've done well but in recent years it's been destroyed and you just wonder where where are you kind of getting your information from if you think it's been destroyed it's mm. it's just obscene it was obs- an, obs- an absurd comment to make and I think Monday night just you know was proof in the pudding that you know there is still life in this academy it may not be at the level it once was but there's plenty of male and females working behind the scenes to to get it back to its best and Monday was just a great night for everyone involved well said, Dan. Um, Glenn, a little like that match a few years ago against Ronald Koeman's blues side of Merseyside when Charlie Austin, of course, scored at the same end as St Mary's. It took Saints barely a couple of minutes to take the lead uh, last night. Um, before I get Steve to talk about Danny Ings' finish specifically, the technique and the fact he didn't even have to look at where the goal was, etc., I just wanted to pick up on the way it was created because Steve kind of mentioned it a minute ago. But 
Hasenhutl's obviously praised Dave Watson a, a fair bit over this season due to you know his involvement in set pieces. Um, Ralph also said post game that they noticed Liverpool's high line when preparing for the match and had therefore wanted to be creative in how they could find space in behind it, etc. You know it's great to see the training ground work paying off. As Steve mentioned, they probably didn't expect it that early in the game, but. Stuart Armstrong's cunning, let's call it that, push on Jordan <laughs> Henderson. So the Liverpool player obviously then plays them all on side. For so many years, that sort of thing has happened to us, hasn't it? And we've lacked the, the creativity to maybe do it ourselves. But it's all rather different now. And everyone knows their role in those sort of situations. We know that War Price is going to deliver. But Armstrong clearly knew what his role was in that set piece. And clever stuff all round, really. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, there's a there's a sort of phrase that is commonly used for that kind of uh, behaviour in a game, which I can't say on this podcast. <laughs> but nice, it's yeah, um, yeah housing. Um, I didn't really notice it the first time round at all, and it was only when they showed the replay that I thought, oh, what's he what's he doing there? And he he pushes him a good two yards. Yeah. I mean, I suppose technically, when they review it through VAR, they could disallow a goal for that. At the end of the day, you're pushing someone; it's a foul. Um, I think and, because, because it because Henderson never gets anywhere near involved in the actual play. I think yeah. um, I think that's yeah. why it, it wouldn't ever be called back. But if the ref spotted it in real time, then yeah, he yeah. He, he, and it's uh, interesting, Steve. Yeah, because I, I watched the the replay a couple of times today when I was doing these notes, and Mariner sort of looks round, and then as he blows, he looks back towards Walprouse to watch the ball. So yeah, Armstrong yeah. cunningly does it whilst the referee's not looking. And I know the assistant linesman there, but or the assistant referee, sorry. But I think the point is, yeah. Glenn, going back to all of this, it's that Saints have got that sort of now now to do things like that absolutely absolutely and it and it worked perfectly um is the uh, defending free kicks from that sort of range it, I, i've noticed that we're actually not terribly good at def- defending them ourselves there was a there was a game we played a few weeks ago where the, the opposition drifted that ball in between the goalkeeper and the you know the defensive line about three or four times and it was it was either offside or it was a you know a, a decent scoring chance so i think it's it's something that quite a few teams have to look at how to actually defend that sort of free kick no, it's a great, great bit of work. And if it came from Dave Watson, then, uh, you know, fair play to him. And everything worked perfectly. Um, but, yeah, it was it was funny watching it back, especially seeing um, Mr. Carragher point it out. <laughs> Several times. Yeah, indeed. Um, Steve, as I mentioned, then obviously the finish itself was pretty decent as well. Um, weaker foot, almost hamstring pulling territory when you watch it back. He's stretching so much, but uh, looped over a hapless uh, Allison and into the net. A, a goal worthy of winning any game. And uh, of course, Danny Ng's 50th goal for Saints as well. So a great personal landmark for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah, just an instinctive finish. Um, and you only kind of really got the true sense of kind of the technique in, involved when you watch it from the various different angles mm. because the height that he's got his left leg up to actually make contact with the ball at that point is I mean it's probably up at kind of shoulder height yeah so he's had to he's had to properly sort of jump sort of time the jump and get the right contact and he's not once looked at where the goal is he just knows where it is it's just such a rare commodity even even in sort of top level center forwards most of them will still have a little glance and see see where they are in relation to the goal but Ings doesn't seem to ever need that he he just knows where it is and therefore he's able to always keep focused on where the ball is um which is why he very rarely shanks shots the quality that he puts into his finishing he always hits the ball well there's there's very few very few occasions where he mishits it, um, and that's because he's able to keep his eye on the ball all the time, um, because he's he's just got such a awareness of where he is um, on the pitch, mm. um, and to be honest, I think without that he doesn't score that goal. 
No, I totally agree, Stephen. Yeah, just for clarity, uh, our athletic correspondent has just reminded me offline that I should make a point of saying that it's his 50th Premier League goal, not his 50th goal for Saints. So apologies for that uh, error. Anyway, Dan, after that moment, um, of course, Saints had to concentrate defensively for large parts of the game. All the stats afterwards, possession, shots on goal, corners, touches in the opposition box, crosses, etc., were, of course, heavily in Liverpool's favour. I know on the pod there's a, a differing view on stats, but um, defend doggedly, we obviously did. The whole team did a, a fantastic job. And uh, as Glenn mentioned earlier, you could have called any of them out, to be honest. I think, from my own point of view, I thought Jack Stevens and Jan Bednarik did uh, particularly well. Second half, lots of blocks and things like that. Um, Dan, Glenn gave his man of the match to Ibrahima Diallo, who he touched on earlier. And admittedly, in his GDLC player ratings uh, this week, everyone got a 10 from Glenn. So he's clearly uh, <laughs> still giddy from his 1-0 match prediction. But I just wanted to I just wanted to pick up on Diallo, because were you as impressed with him by you know his performance as much as maybe Glenn and some of the other Saints fans, and I know Steve and myself? Because it was a clear step up from him in terms of opposition from the game at Fulham. So a real test. I think it's impossible not to be impressed by how good Diallo was against Liverpool. I think Fulham was a different challenge altogether, completely different team, play a completely different way to, to Liverpool do. And there might there may have been some nerves. It was his first Premier League start. It was you know, it was just that whole kind of environment around it. And then when I saw the team sheet and, you know, like the like the others have said, you see Romeo absent and, and you're thinking, oh oh gosh, you know, this is the game you kind of want Romeo in because he's just a you know, he just disrupts play. He'd be useful, but Diallo probably proved everyone wrong. He was just mm. so, so, so good. Um, his passing was good. He was good at winning the ball back. He, you know, he was good at carrying it forward. It was just a complete performance from someone that I didn't think had that in him just yet. Mm. I mean, admittedly, we've not seen loads and loads of him because we were restricted to kind of cameo appearances here and there. Then minus Fulham, where I did think he played well at Fulham and the stats backed up that he played well at Fulham but yep. Liverpool was just a complete step up and if that's a sign of things to come for the future then well what a position for the club to be in to have two guys like Romeo and Prousey and then have Diallo as another option that's exactly what you want isn't it yeah no I totally agree and I, I think as you say um, playing against someone like Thiago who's uh, you know won lots of trophies and uh I think Glenn, uh, or maybe Steve, I forget, uh, epitomised it earlier, you know, out-jumping Thiago for that header in the first couple of minutes kind of set the tone, didn't it? I think it was Glenn. So, uh, um, yeah, obviously the winners we mentioned in TSP 143 meant uh, Saints became the first team in Premier League history to beat all seven champions the season after their title win. Another nice little uh, feather in our cap alongside Shane's seven-second goal and Sadio's two-minute 56-second hat-trick versus Aston Villa, of course. Um, at the end then, Glenn, we saw... Ralph sink to his knees as a, a wave of relief and celebration came across him. I think we can call it that. Um, the first time I think he uh, said himself he'd ever taken three points off of uh, Jürgen Klopp. Clearly it meant uh, a lot to him. Uh, I think there were even tears of joy as we mentioned, uh, or was it the uh, St Mary's wind? Who knows? But um, as we've mentioned so many times before, incredible to see such a passionate guy representing Southampton Football Club and all of us fans on the touchline. Yeah, he lives and breathes it. And, and anyone who can't see that really isn't watching closely enough. My reaction at 94 minutes when the final whistle goes, any supporter has an outpouring of emotion. <laughs> He's totally immersed in the whole thing. You can tell that. And he went from complaining at the referee about, you know, why the hell hasn't the gun stopped yet to, you know, to getting over the line and, and winning that game. And, and probably, you know, for him, as he missed the last game, you know, being yeah. uh, self-isolating and stuff, it's probably all all built up and it just all came out in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, The reaction to it has, 
I, I find it somewhat disappointing. Um, that they have to talk about something, don't they? Uh, they moan when managers don't show passion. Yep. I remember it was all, yeah, Svengel and Eriksson is the one I always remember. They always moaned like hell about him when he didn't didn't show oh, any sort man, of. Yep. Yeah, didn't show well, anything. Well, for us, Paul Puel was the one yeah, totally, that yeah, yeah. said, oh, Absolutely. no emotion. And he got hounded out of the club, really, didn't he? And I'm mm. not saying by particular people, but just in general because of a lack of sort of personality almost, yeah. Well, yeah, and because we didn't score any goals. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that that thing. But, um, you know, we moan when they don't show it. And now, today, you know, they moan when the, when someone does show it. Mm. Um, it's talk sport, isn't it? And they have to they have to Simon sit up Jordan. Here. I mean, it's like... Yeah, Simon Jordan usually talks sense, but, you know... They swap roles. Jim White was kind of going, yeah, it's fine. And Simon Jordan was going, no, it's not. Well, shut up. Who cares? It's, mm. um, I don't think there's a, there won't be a Saints supporter anyway, or he'll be looking at that and saying, oh, that's a bad thing. That'll come back to bite him or, or totally. any, or any some such rubbish. Um, fair play. I think m- most people would have, would have just liked the fact of how involved he is and how much it means to him. Mm. No, totally. Yeah, as you say, disappointing, but not necessarily surprising. I, uh, Dan, just before I come to you, I'm, I, I appreciate you put a brilliant piece out about uh, Hars and Hootle today. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I reached out to uh, there's a guy, um, Chris Williams, who ironically is a Liverpool fan, so I think that's why he thought I was contacting him. But uh, he's a, a well-known Bundesliga um, reporter, and I dropped him a line today actually just to say, you know, had he ever seen Ralph so emotional in the Bundesliga? Because of course he was quite emotional after the Sheffield United game uh, the other week, and he came back um, pretty much saying that um, you know he'd not seen that before, but thinks it's a good sign of how comfortable and happy he is at Saints and you know his personal view on it I think was that it was pretty much uh, a, a man who was humiliated last season of course in one match as we well know and he's worked hard to build a great side and then going on to beat one of the the best coaches in the world and the reigning champions you, you, you know and as as we know lots of people call him the Alpine Klopp and I think Chris's view was it almost just reiterates that this is a, a wonderful coach in his own right so I think we would all probably agree with that and yeah just to finish your point uh, Glenn couldn't agree more you know it's fantastic I thought to to see that emotion um, Dan let us say I'm not going to ruin it completely in case subscribers haven't had a chance to read it yet but you uh, wrote an excellent piece in the Athletic earlier today about Hasenhutl and how much winning Monday's game had meant to him. We discussed in TSP 143, didn't we, the the sort of tactical, I suppose, stimulation you could call it. He gets from facing the likes of Klopp and Guardiola and Ancelotti and people like that. Um, and I know you and I were catching up about it earlier, but I thought it was a beautiful moment as well when, uh, having finally lifted himself to his feet, Musa uh, came across and was almost comforting him, having uh, sw- swapped roles from the first half. And it's clear that the love that the squad have for this guy is, is evident, I think, but. After what's been a tough week for him, Dan, working from home, all the injuries, facing the champions, having not scored in three games and things like that, it was clearly a result that meant a lot to him. And there was obviously a lot of built-up emotion. Agreed. Absolutely. I think if you cast your mind back to last week when he's staring at a a period of self-isolation, his wife had tested positive for coronavirus. And this is one of the most intense hands-on managers who loves being around his players in the Premier League. That would have been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare for him. Mm. Um, like, let's not be around the bush. That was a big problem. It, it's all well and good that the coaches would have stood in, but they're not Ralph. They haven't got Ralph's personality. They haven't got his charisma to really kind of motivate the players day in, day out on a training pitch. I mean, I know I said that the West Ham game in isolation wouldn't have made too much difference of him not on the sideline, but being absent from Staplewood for that length of time would have made a difference. Mm. Uh, I think that that's more than fair enough to say. So when you take that into account and then you have all those injuries that he was hit with and Sunday sounds like one of the, the worst training sessions going or the, you know, the kind of yeah. injuries that, that took place around. there. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're, you're then going into a Liverpool game and you've got 
eight kids on the bench and a childminder, as, as Glenn would say. <laughs> and you're going up against, you know, someone that many view as the best manager in Europe, if not the world at the moment. And this is someone that Ralph admires greatly. You know, they did their coaching badges together. So for Ralph to beat him hmm. with those players, you know, just on pure sort of tactics and the way he says team up to play. And of course, Danny Ings's goal was, you know, sublime. You might not think that's going to happen. They're just one-off kind of goals that you see. That's just a moment of pure brilliance that deserves to win the game. So for all of that to kind of fall in, fall into action over what would have been no doubt a, a, per, a difficult week, mm. personally anyway, because of the the false positive coronavirus test and getting tested again, and then the kind of emotion of all of that. Right, okay, that's a way off my shoulders. I'm back to staple. Then you're hit with injury, injury, injury. Bang, bang, bang in a row. So it was just the culmination of everything that came together at the end, and this is what. I think makes Ralph so special and so unique and brilliant for Southampton mm. because he would get so much more satisfaction out of beating Liverpool with those players through good old fashioned coaching than he would do if he was a manager of Real Madrid with a team of superstars. You can absolutely guarantee that. And it's just, I, I didn't understand the point Simon Jordan was making. It was just a ridiculous thing to say it. You know, it's just to rile someone up and yeah. get them to phone in and you almost don't want to give it, airtime yourself it was so stupid so what I mean he's a human for god's sake he's you know he's not a machine it's it was I thought it was a really touching moment and like you say Musa coming over to him to you know give him a hug Mm. they're pictures certainly that you won't you won't forget and going into the game me and my editor had spoken at length and we thought well either way Fraser Forster is probably going to be the story he's either going to concede four goals or pay your prediction or yeah, or he make uh, a host of brilliant saves and Southampton might escape with a draw. And then you see the kind of picture at the end of Ralph on his knees with tears in his eyes. And it's like, well, that is your story right there. Yeah. And that is, of course, what we decided to go with at The Athletic. And I'm glad we did because they're the pieces you can write. And after the game, I was able to speak to a couple of people behind the scenes. And it, you can just sense the the absolute joy and what a moment that was for the club to do that. And everyone loves Ralph, don't they? So it was just, it was just brilliant to see. And I mean, I, I wasn't, a, I'm not a supporter. You will know I'm not a supporter, but last night, I think everyone minus Liverpool fans supported Southampton. It was just brilliant. And Ralph, of course. Well, speaking to SouthamptonSC.com after the game, here's what Ralph had to say about the overall performance and his emotions. I mean, uh, I cannot say how proud I am for my team. I think the mentality we showed it today, I think was the key of winning today. Uh, the young lads, they came in, did a good job. We've defended unbelievable against the top quality team. And, and we had, I think, I don't know if we had more mentality than the opponent, but we wanted it more, I think. And, and this is why we we throw everything in. And this was, this was for me, absolutely uh, yeah, amazing. I think we had a, a phone call a few months ago. And then I said, uh, it would be nice when I take a point against you one time, eh? and uh, yeah, this was maybe the day today because now I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. No, it was good. It was. I, I mean, the three points are amazing. That was only three points, but it feels like more eh, for for me today because against this team to win against with our team, I think it was. And we still try to be brave. We still try to try to play football. We still try to let them run, uh, and it was tough. It was it was unbelievably intense game and. 
we have been aggressive all the time and tried to do what we can do and, and yeah the, the guys are finished they are really tired now but yeah, this is what you have to be after such a game just finally then, Steve, to finish up the pod for this week, um, belief is a word often used in football when talking about short and long-term success, isn't it? How much belief and confidence and encouragement, call it what you want, uh, do you think that that result last night will bring in the coming weeks? Oh, a huge amount. Um, I mean, you can't you can't possibly beat the current champions in that manner and not um, not gain confidence and and belief in your own your own ability from it. I mean, it's just not sure that's sort of humanly possible to for that not to be a benefit but mm. just the energy i think that it all um it will sort of regain um i mean obviously now we're we're now back into a situation where we're basically playing once once a week other than the occasional midweek uh midweek game um so the natural fitness is going to improve anyway but just in the short term the the lift that that winning a game like that, the adrenaline that you you get as a result, um, is going to be hugely improved. And I mean that Leicester game in what a week and a half's time is yeah. is going to, going to be interesting because I mean they've been pretty ropey at home, been excellent away from home, but um, at the King Power they've been pretty ropey. So I think that's that's a game. All of a sudden you're now looking at that and thinking, well that's our that's our opportunity to actually get back into the top four again. Mm because we'll be taking a, a seven game unbeaten run up there we can come to that on the pod at the weekend of course but yeah as mm. you say there's some good momentum it's amazing what one, one result does Steve yeah it's it's weird like that because as we all said at, on Sunday that we weren't particularly hopeful ahead of this game because of the sort of sluggish nature of of the performances um sort of in the previous week week and a half or so and you kind of thought well okay has has the schedule kind of caught up with us uh, to an extent but getting that um that performance and and that result all of a sudden those those worries have kind of disappeared again the other thing i mean i don't know what you make what you make of this point this is just something that occurred to me whilst we were on actually we got empty grounds at the moment obviously you know all the youth team players they're used to playing in virtually empty grounds you know when a when a youngster comes into the team normally there's usually two things they have to prove they have to prove they can handle the football you know they're actually playing against better players and they also have to prove they can handle the pressure of playing in front of crowds Mm. Yeah, and I just wonder if it makes it easier for someone like Nathan Teller at the moment that all he's got to worry about is can I do it on the pitch Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast Thanks to you for listening to this midweek bite-sized episode of TSP. We very much appreciate it. We'll be back again at the weekend after the FA Cup tie with Shrewsbury. Don't forget you can hear our preview of that match complete with Ollie from Shrewsbury's own Salop cast in TSP 143 that we released a few days ago. Otherwise, let's all make sure we uh, savour the next few days. The feeling we have inside us right now is exactly what being a Saints fan is all about wherever we are in the world. We may not win every week. We may not have the most expensive players in the world. We may make mistakes at times, frustrate at times, but we'd not change our club for another. We didn't choose Saints. Saints chose us. And during what is such a tough time in our daily lives currently, we fully deserve to enjoy beating the champions with every single bit of saintliness inside us. It's well overdue. Keep marching in.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.